Amen. Amen. I want to speak today on this subject. Please remain seated. And that simple subject is lifestyle evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism. The definition of evangelism, there are two. One I'm going to bring out right now. And that is the spreading of the Christian gospel by preaching or personal witnessing. The spreading of the Christian gospel by preaching or personal witnessing. We are Christians and to be Christian means to be Christ-like or like Christ. And as the term suggests we should be like Christ, well, what does that mean? That means we should act like Jesus did. Jesus was devoted to outreach and lived a lifestyle of evangelism. His ministry was heal the sick, minister to the broken, and love unconditionally. Outreach was the heartbeat of Jesus' ministry, and it should be ours as well. The Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with, everyone say, compassion. Moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Outreach is more than a planned event or action, but outreach is a lifestyle. A lifestyle that is both challenging and rewarding. It requires love. It requires passion. It requires dedication to God and others. The overarching characteristic of a soul winner is unconditional love towards God and mankind. There are times during church services here and that I, 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 I look around and I see what I call lifestyle evangelism opportunities. Because there are times here where guests are sitting in the front, the middle, the back. People come from different walks of life and they come searching and knowing that there's more and knowing that there's something else that they need in their life and not sure what exactly that is. And, but yet there's something in them that is driving them to the house of God. And it's not by coincidence when someone walks into Star City Church. If we believe that we preach the gospel truth here and we believe that we preach that there's one Lord and that one God is able to do all things. And it's not by accident that people walk into this church. But what it is is that when we have people that are uh, reaching out for the Lord and tears streaming down their face and they feel something that they can't quite put their finger on but they know there's something different in the atmosphere and we have many people that are around the front praying at times but yet we have many that are in the audience not acting out in their faith and their belief operating in a lifestyle of evangelism. I need every individual in here, every individual in here. I need everyone just to simply say, that's me. Now, if you didn't say that's me, that means it doesn't apply to you. But everyone that said that's me, that means I applies to you and that you agree with what I'm about to say. And what I'm about to say is, is that I need you to be attentive and be alert and not be afraid, neither ashamed to go Pray with someone, go join hands with someone, or simply just introduce yourself to someone. 
It would bother me if I can ask anyone in this church and if you can name 10 people uh, in this church that you did not know a year ago. It would bother me if you could not name those 10 or 12 or 15 people. It takes a lifestyle of evangelism to be able to go up to someone, introduce yourself to that person and be also willing to pray for that individual. There are times when people don't feel comfortable coming to the front or stepping out in the aisle, but that doesn't mean you cannot go to them and begin to grab their hand or touch their shoulder and let them know that there is a God that loves them how can they know that there's a God that loves them if God's people don't even show the love of Jesus Christ it is important that we take time and take this opportunity on this Sunday night as I look, look across this audience and I see a large percentage of people that belong to this church and I see a group of people some uh, that are guests and returning guests here I'm not preaching to you right now but I'm preaching to this church, this body of Christ, that we must have a lifestyle of evangelism. That when we come to church, we must seek out people that are yearning for Jesus Christ and be willing to go to them to let them know that there is a God in heaven that's able to do all things in their life. I want to ask this church a question. What is the point for Sunday morning and Sunday night church? I want you to think about that. Why do we have Sunday morning and Sunday night church? Is it just to take up your time? Is it just to give you something to do? Now, some people need that. Amen. No, that's, that's a true statement. Some, we need sometimes just to be in the house of God. That's, that's a good thing. It keeps us away from trouble in the world. But, but it's just more, there's a purpose why we have Sunday morning and Sunday evening service. If the purpose, if the ideology to have Sunday morning service is for evangelism, and then Sunday evening service is to edify and build up the body of Christ while we're here together, then we need to make sure that we maximize our opportunity when we come to the house of God. So that means when you come here on Sunday morning, you're not just coming for yourself, but I'm not saying ignore yourself. You ought to allow yourself to be fed. Are y'all with me, church? You ought to allow yourself to be fed, but you ought to come seeking out somebody else. See who I can help in the house of God. Why should you come with that mindset on Sunday morning? Because I'm coming back on Sunday night and that's when I'm going to get mine. I reached out and reached out to different people on Sunday morning. But when I come back to the house of God on Sunday night, it's all about me and you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Amen. Uh, and so what's the purpose then Sunday morning and Sunday night that is the purpose so when we come to the house of God on Sunday morning there should not be one individual that is seeking the Lord that does not get touched I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about touched by Jesus because Jesus can touch anybody at any time, anywhere. I'm talking about touched by his people. I'm talking about somebody grabbing a hand. I'm talking about somebody praying for somebody, somebody reaching out, someone being touched by someone else's infirmity. Hallelujah. But oftentimes we come here on Sunday mornings and we just come and, and do our own little thing and then we ride right, we just leave right out those doors. We walk right out those doors. That's not the will of God. No. 
And that's not, that's not what makes Star City Star City. Now, some of you could be saying, Pastor, they say we're the friendliest church. Pastor, they say that we do a great job of greeting people. I, I, I'm talking about going beyond. I'm talking about going beyond saying hello. I'm talking about going beyond just saying, hey, how you doing? It's nice to have you here. No, I'm talking about when the Spirit of God is moving, that you literally get up out of your seat and you go to somebody and say, I want you to know that the Lord is able to heal you. I want you to know that the Lord is able to touch your body. I want you to know that God is able to do all things. See, that's the touch of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so that is important that each and every individual takes it on your own responsibility to be able to not only leave service getting what you need, but also helping somebody else. Otherwise, why do we even have two services? Amen. To wear your pastor out? My, my daughter said, yeah, praise God. Well, amen. Let's, let's just go home now. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Jordan. Love you too. Love you too. With all my heart. All my heart. Just, 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 just wear me out. Is, is, is that what it is, Sister McGee? I, I don't believe so, right? No. I, 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 don't, I don't believe so. I don't think so. There should be a distinction. Thank you. There should be a distinction in our character, in our approach from Sunday morning and Sunday night. There should be distinction of how you think about how you approach Sunday morning and Sunday night church. I'm telling you, we go dig here a little bit. There should be a distinction in your mindset and how you approach church Sunday morning and Sunday evening. You should have a servant mindset, a lifestyle evangelism mindset when you come to church on Sunday morning. It is, it is important. That we do that. That you come saying, Lord, who can I help today? Lord, lead me to someone today. Why do we pray that prayer when we wake up, you know, on our job or we're traveling somewhere? We say, Lord, lead me to someone. Take me to someone that may be hungry for you. You know, every day you come or every Sunday you come to the house of God, there's somebody that came to church ready to receive something greater in their life, ready to receive more in their life. There's somebody saying, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And there's something that's drawing me to that church that's on the corner of Creasy and Union because there's got to be more. Yeah. Hallelujah. Brother Pickering, I want to encourage you because that more dwells in you. It dwells in you and I. That more dwells in us. And what does it hurt someone to reach over to someone and just go like this and say, God is able to do it. The Lord is able to heal. The Lord is able to touch you. Why? Because somebody did that to you before when you had tears coming down your face. When your heart was broken, you needed somebody to come lay hands upon you and to encourage you to let you know that God is still able. You mean to tell me you, you, you come to church and, and we're, we're, we're going to be selfish now? Uh-uh. Amen. Not on, not on my watch. Amen. I only got a watch on. That's right. And it's still not on my watch. All right. Amen. That's the distinction between Sunday morning and Sunday. Am I making sense? That's the distinction between Sunday morning and Sunday night. That, that, that's, that's part of the reason why we have different type of services. It's so that we can operate in a lifestyle of evangelism. That's it. So you can operate in a lifestyle of evangelism. It should be a lifestyle. It should be something that gr you, you should gravitate to someone you don't even know. 
something should pull you to them. Hallelujah. I, 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 I want guests to shake so many hands and, 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 and get introduced by so many people, they're confused. I don't know who's who. I met 89 people today. I have no idea. What's the pastor's name? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I know there's love there. I know that. I know there's, I said, I know there's love there. That's one thing. My hands hurt a little bit. My shoulder hurts from just shaking everybody's hand. But I know there's love that they care. And you know what? There was one person that went beyond shaking my hand. There's one person that went beyond just getting to know my name. And they just reminded me that God still loves me. They just reminded me that God still cares about me. They just reminded me that God is able to do all things. I'm telling you, church, we must have a lifestyle of evangelism it should just be part of our DNA just what we do praise God then when I come to church on Sunday night I'm a dance 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 all night I done poured all out Sunday morning now I'm ready to receive I done emptied out all Sunday morning now I'm ready to fill back up hallelujah because that should be the, the purpose, the emphasis of the body of Christ. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, starting in verse number 4. The Bible says, charity suffereth long. What does charity mean? Shout back at me. Love. Love suffereth long. It says, it's kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth. Not itself. That means it doesn't brag on itself. <laughs> Love doesn't brag on itself. Amen. It says it's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. That's what love does. That's love. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. Come here, Jordan, since you just love me so much. Come here, Nally, since, you know, I love you too. But you know what? I still love her. But you see the difference? Because love doesn't behave itself unseemly. That means I won't hug Natalie, who's not my daughter, the same way I just hugged my daughter. Because I don't want to put her in a situation or me in a situation that's uncomfortable for both of us. And now, Amen. it's unseemly. Amen. You can be seated, sister. You can be seated. Amen. Love won't behave itself. Does that make sense? That's right. You can love someone and not be touching all on someone. Okay. I, don't, I don't need to. They heard it. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. Hold on, verse number six, rejoices not in iniquity. Rejoices not in iniquity. Iniquity is when you know to do right, but you choose to do wrong. Mm -hmm. Write that down. So when you say, yeah, I, I knew they were going to mess up. 
That's not love. I knew they were going to do wrong. That's not love. I've been waiting on them just to slip up and mess up. That's not love. When words like that come out of your mouth, that's not love talking. Because Jesus wouldn't talk like that. Because when you fall, even if you fall, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets right back up. The Bible says rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. So we're going to fall. But love says, come on, baby, get on back up. That's what love says. Not hold you while you're down. Because I don't rejoice in iniquity. Well, I'm, this is good. It says, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they're going to fail. It's going to be some things that said, and they say it's a prophetic word. It may not come to pass. Not a prophetic word from God then going to fail whether there be tongues they shall cease now this is not talking about there will be no more holy ghosts available it's not speaking about that at all it's talking about you may reach a certain point in your life where you may not be speaking in tongues like you used to doesn't mean the holy ghost ceases if the holy ghost ceases god ceases So the Holy Ghost is still pouring out. It's still available. And you will speak in another tongue. But there may come a point in your life where you're not speaking like you used to speak. So they'll cease. But it doesn't matter if prophecies fail. It doesn't matter if tongues cease. Love never fails. Never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. I don't know if they have this scripture or not. But it says, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest of these is love. You can have faith to move mountains. You can be living a hope that you're going to see Jesus one day. But if you can't love, if you, I don't care how much faith you have, how much hope you got, you, got, you better be able to love people. You have to love people and you have to care enough about people to have a lifestyle of evangelism. A lifestyle of evangelism. Love is the most powerful and effective weapon we have to fight with. It cannot be challenged or subdued. Love will always accomplish its purpose. It will never fail. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. When you love unconditionally, you are making a statement to the world that Jesus loves them and through you they will see his love. Jesus was the servant of servants and his ministry was a reflection of that. Jesus met the needs of others before he saved them. We should do the same. We should become servants to others before we try to get them saved. We cannot save every any we cannot save anyone. Only Jesus can save. But we can put our beliefs into action through those actions we can become a witness to the power and salvation of Jesus Christ. 
We can preach and teach Jesus to the world until we're blue in the face. But if we don't practice what we preach, it's just another person rambling about religion. And all y'all to know me by now, I'm not a preacher of religion, but I am a preacher of relationship. This church is not a religious center, but a place where we introduce those who a relationship with Jesus Christ. But if we never go and touch them, how can they know about the goodness of an almighty God? I felt the Lord. I felt him. I know the power of God was in there, but nobody touched me. You're not hearing me right now. Some of you are still are zoned out in your own little world right now. But I'm telling you, they can feel the power of God. But if nobody touches them, if nobody touches them, if nobody reaches out to them, because someone reached out to us. Amen. Someone touched me. Matter of fact, too many people touched me. I was at an altar seeking the Lord at a Pentecostal church that I was not familiar with. Different people, different culture. I wasn't used to everybody just touching me when I came down to the altar. But on that day, I came down to the altar and I had 15 hands. I said, what is going on? Did I steal something? What, what is happening in this place? They said, close your eyes. <laughs> so I closed my eyes. I thought it was a drill sergeant. Praise God. You've got to touch people. Why? Because they need to understand that there's a real God that can pull them out of their real sin. Hey, man. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To who? Everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. We are the most influential and powerful people in the world. God gave us the Holy Ghost and brought us into the glorious, into his glorious salvation. So we can share it with others. We must be careful not to bottle it up. Not to bottle up what God has given us or hide it away and keep it for ourselves. The Bible speaks in Matthew chapter number 25 about the man and the different ones, the three different examples of talents. The Bible says in Matthew 25, starting at verse number 14, it speaks of for the kingdom of heaven is as a man. Now, I told you during a Bible class, whenever the Bible opens up with this, we better be very careful about what is being said. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And one he gave five. We know the one that he gave five, he brought back five. One he gave two, he brought back two. But then there was one that gave one. And everyone that brought back five, the Bible says he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The one he gave two brought back more. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But then the one that had the one talent said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed and I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth notice the Bible says he hid his talent in 
the earth. I can almost hear Jesus saying in that moment, why would you put into the ground what, what wasn't yours to begin with? But it was mine. The Bible says that thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received my own usury or own interest. Take therefore the talent from him. Give it to the one that had ten. And the Bible says, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I believe with all my heart that your witness is a part of your salvation. I believe your witness is a part of your salvation. The scripture says in the book of Luke chapter number 12, also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the son of man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Evangelism, I said, had two definitions. One I brought out earlier. The second one I will bring out now. The second definition of evangelism is a zealous advocacy of a cause. Being zealous about a cause. I remember when Brother Atkins was here, he had a message where he was saying that we should protest about certain things, whether it be dead church. We ought to protest against that. We ought to have another protest tonight. And that protest should just simply be that we ought to have a lifestyle of evangelism. We need to have a lifestyle of evangelism. That if we can't do it here within the four walls, then how do we even expect to do it outside the four walls? Every time you come to the house of God, Especially here on Sunday mornings, you should have a lifestyle of evangelism where you're looking to touch someone else. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? That you must be a witness and you shall be a witness. He has given us power to be a witness. He has given us power to be a witness that is what the power is for for you and I to be a witness and so it is important that we hear from our older generations testimonies about what God has done we should hear over and over again where elderly people should be taking younger people by the hand saying this is what the Lord did for me we should have young people listening to older people about the goodness of the Lord and what God has done for them because our generation needs to hear what the Lord has done for you because if we can hear what God has done for you it will encourage us to continue on but if we never hear what God has done for you then we don't hear the testimonies and the Bible says this is how we overcome we overcome through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We need to hear how God brought you out and how he has brought you thus far and how you have stayed in the church this long because it encourages us to stay in there. 
I, I, I need to know that there are people in here that have made mistakes that you just haven't been perfect your whole life but God has brought you out of your mistake he looked beyond your fault and he saw your need and then it would encourage me when I make a mistake I heard from elder so and so how God brought him out so therefore I know God is able to bring me out we need those testimonies that is a lifestyle of evangelism that's evangelism as well taking someone by the hand saying come on baby you can do it come on son you can do it come on daughter you can do it why because God did it for me and if he did it for me he can do it for you I need more people in this church that tells other people what God is able to do I love preaching about David. I love preaching about Samuel. I love preaching about all the different prophets and apostles, but I like to hear about you all as well. I want to hear about what God did for you. I want to hear about what God did for you because I believe God is still moving in this day. Amen. So I can get up here and preach and say, this is what the Lord did for the reeds. I know this may not be in 2 Samuel chapter number 3, but it's in Star City Church chapter number 1. And this is what God did for the reeds. And this is what the Lord did for the partridges. And this is what the Lord did for the Whitakers. And this is what the Lord did for the Stephensons. And this is what the Lord can do for you. Why? Because he did it for them. And if he did it for them, he can do it for me. Woo. turn the page to chapter number two Whoa! this is what God did for me this is what the Lord did I believe him why do you believe him because in chapter number one my elders told me that God can do it and we ought to have our own book here at Star City Church about what God did for us hallelujah we have our own testimonies about what God did for us we can just turn the page about what God did for us. Hallelujah. And then when guests come in, when people come into the church, we can just say, this is what the Lord did for us. Amen. 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 The same God that delivered those in the, in the Bible, he's the same God that's delivering us right now. And that's a lifestyle of evangelism. Uh-huh. That's right. And you ought to have that. Praise God. You ought to have that. Because we ought to have testimonies about what the Lord has brought you out of. Brother Picker, God ever bring you out of anything or you just been saved your whole life? Huh? Let me tell you what the Lord done for me. Oh, I, I want you just to share. Just, just come on. Just, oh, just a minute. The Lord has done so much for me. I can't even begin to tell it all. He has truly, he brought me as an alcoholic to the truth. Yep. He took me to a, one church, a denomination, changed me to this church. Amen. And how he did it was through one man at this church who witnessed to me. One man witnessed to me every day. And that's what brought me to this church. Thank you. One man. Everyone say one man. One man. One man who was an he was an alcoholic, but he was searching for something. You wouldn't know that by looking at Brother Picker. You would thought he'd been raised in church his whole life. Alcoholic for a large part of his life. But look at him now. Look what the Lord has done for him now. But it took one man. It took one person to witness to him. 
it took one person to tell him there's more for you there's greater for you there's more for you see there, there there's in the book of judges the bible speaks of uh i, I believe there's 11 different uh there could be 12 actually i believe there's 12 different judges in the book of judges men and women and what's interesting is, is that we know some of them, but the very first one was Othniel. Othniel was the nephew of Caleb. Othniel was the very first judge. And then the second one was Ehud. Ehud's my favorite. Because his name starts with an E, praise God. And Ehud was also left-handed. I'm left-handed as well. Amen. So that's the will of God. Ehud was a Benjamite. Ehud was the second judge. The third judge, we kind of skip over him, but I don't think we should. Because we skip over him. You want to know why, Carters? It's because there's not much mention about him. He has maybe one, maybe two sentences. I have to go back and check in the Bible. But his name was Shamgar. Shamgar was his name. And I think there's only one sentence in the Bible about old Shamgar. But Shamgar was a judge. He was the third judge in the book of Judges. And the Bible says that he slew 600 Philistines. No, I don't think you understand. He alone slew 600 Philistines. And the Bible says that he used a what? Ox gold. He used an ox gold to kill 600 people. You don't need to watch no Marvel movie. You just need to read the Bible. Amen. Yeah, before there was Superman, there was Shamgar. He slew 600 people with an ox goal. And an ox goal, you know what that is? A stick. It's a stick with a pointed edge on it. That's, that's, that's all it was. He slew 600 people all by himself. Because some of you are looking at me saying, Pastor, I can't do this. I don't have much. All he had was a stick. Pastor, I don't know what I can do. I don't have much. I don't have much to offer. I don't know what to say. Shamgar had a stick. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't have much to offer. I'm just young. I'm just beginning in this gospel. I just started doing it. Shamgar had a stick, but he had a stick and a God that was on his side. And he said, I may not have much, but I got a God. And with that God, I'm going to use my stick and I'm going to go out here and see what God will do. You may not have much, but you better take what you have and see what God will do. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify him. Hallelujah. I don't need you to have much. You just take what you have and use what you have. And you trust in God with what you have. Imagine getting that assignment. Hey, Shamgar, I need you to go down there and kill all the Philistines. Kill all them Philistines down there, Shamgar. Well, God, what, I, I don't have nothing. Well, what's in your hand? You talking about this stick? Yeah, I want you to go use that and kill all them Philistines down there. Okay, God. And he slew 600 of them. He slew 600 of them all by himself with a stick. And you mean to tell me you can't be a blessing to somebody else? You can't be a blessing to, I, I'm trying to rattle someone's cage here today. I, I, I'm telling you, we, 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 we got to wake up church because time is running out. 
I, I didn't come to preach an end time message, but we need to hear this right now. Time's running out. People need to be saved. People need to know that there's a God that can save them, that can pull them out. And here you are holding on to your stick and going home with your stick. You need to pick up that stick and say, Lord, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, God. Help me to share my testimony, God. Help me to love somebody else, God. I don't care what you have. You got to use it. And that's all he had, Brother Pickering, because all it took... I feel God's spirit right now because all it took was one person to talk to you and think about that now. How many people have you witnessed to? How many people have come to God? No, let's get it even closer. Think about your family, your wife, your children. Every one of them are living. Oh my God, my God. See, you don't know. You can talk to one person and you don't know the generations that it will affect after that. I'm trying to tell somebody, go witness, go witness, go witness. Live a lifestyle of evangelism. Because you don't know the one person that you can talk to and it can affect generations to come. Because not only would you not be here, but your children would not be here. Your children wouldn't know God. But one person said, all I got is a stick. So what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have to share? Sister Robinson says your testimony. What, what is your stick? What do you have in your hand that you can say, Lord, use me? I don't have much experience at this, but use me. I've never done this before. Shemgar has never killed 600 men. He didn't do it until that day. Well, I wish I had some preachers in here that knew what I was talking about. He didn't until that day. But he got his name in that book. He got one sentence. But he sure did a lot in that one sentence. You may just have one opportunity. But you better maximize your one opportunity. Are you hearing me church? You may just have one chance. There may just be one window. One door of opportunity. But you better walk through that door. You better open up that window. Go through it. Because you don't need much. When you've got a great big God that is on your side. I said you don't need much when you've got a great big God that is on your side. So what are you saying, preacher? I protest that we have a lifestyle of evangelism. That we no longer approach day-to-day -day life. And especially we don't come to the house of God without a mindset to say, who can I reach? Who can I touch? Who can I talk to? We've got teachers, Sunday school teachers working hard upstairs, touching those kids. And I thank God for them. We got bus ministry workers that are working hard to pick up those children. And I thank God for them. We got people out in the lobby, our ushers and greeters and next steps team working hard to greet people. And I thank God for them. But when they come into the presence of an almighty God I'm telling you we need to work even harder because we know that there's a devil that is trying to rob them that is trying to tell them that it's not real that they won't change that nothing's going to happen somebody needs to declare with a stick in their hand the devil is a liar he's not going to steal my joy he's not going to take away what belongs to you so somebody needs to have a mindset to reach out and touch somebody else hallelujah 
got a stick in my hand. And the enemy that's going to take me out. Praise God. I've got a stick in my hand and an enemy that wants to take me out. I, I, I don't think you hear me. I said I've got a stick in my hand, but I've got an enemy that wants to take me out. So you tell me, what would you do? What, what, what would you do if all you have is a stick in your hand and an enemy that was trying to take out your family? An enemy that tried to come into your house and take your stuff? Can't get to the gun case fast enough. Can't get to the, the weaponry that you have fast enough. But you got a stick in your hand. You can't call up the preacher fast enough. You can't get a hold of an elder fast enough. But you got a stick in your hand. What would you do if you had an enemy that was coming after you right now and all you had was a stick in your hand? Would you lay down the stick and run? Or would you use what you have to say, I'm going to fight with all of my might. I'm going to fight with everything I got. And I know I got a great big God. And the Bible says, if God be for me, who can be against me? Can I preach this for two more minutes? I'm going to get you out of here. We can stand to our feet. But I want to tell someone right now that all I got is a stick in my hand. I'm going to fight this thing with all that I've got. And I'm going to tell somebody that God is able to do it. I don't care who I got to fight. I don't care who I got to go through. I don't care what wall I got to climb over. I don't care what mountain I got to climb over. I'm going to let somebody know that God is still able. That he's still a healer. That he's still a deliverer. That God is able to heal your body even right now. But you don't have nothing but a stick. That's all I need. That's all I need. Just give me a stick and I'm going to fight the enemy with all that I have. I want somebody here will begin to rejoice in the Lord knowing that God is on your side. Because the Bible says And after him was Shamgar, in Judges 3.31. Listen to what the scripture says. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goat. Look what it says after that. And he also delivered Israel. <laughs> because he fought he delivered a nation. Because when you fight, you will deliver your family. And see, too many of us in here tonight, you've laid down your stick. You've laid down your stick. And I'm telling you, you need to pick your stick back up. I said, church, you need to pick your stick back up. And you need to fight with everything that you got. 
because when you fight you will deliver your family you'll deliver your family your loved ones but you got to pick your stick back up <laughs> because you've been complaining that you don't have much you've been complaining that nothing's working out in your favor but God is saying no I've already gave you something you just need to use what you have and you need to fight with everything that's within you let's lift our hands right now unto the Lord